Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. I don't know how to start this episode. It's been a year. So about a year ago, I was sitting in an Ikea car park in Richmond, Victoria. In Melbourne. Is that Victoria Gardens? It doesn't matter. I used to live like a block from there. Yeah, it actually is there. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my virginity in that car park. Are you serious? No, I obviously didn't lose my virginity <laughs> in an Ikea car park <laughs> in Richmond. <laughs> I just, I was just like, I was just mentally going back. I know how you lost your virginity and... It was on a couch in Brisbane. Yes. <laughs> A couch in Brisbane in a car park in Victoria Gardens. <laughs> At the same time, you were in an Ikea car park. In Sydney. In Sydney. Where I lost my virginity. Where you lost your virginity. You've lost your virginity, <laughs> I think, in every Ikea car park. In Australia, at least. It's sort of a point of honour. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking on the phone and you said, I have the most amazing idea. It's so damn good. You're going to lose your shit when you hear it. I don't think I said that. You were really excited. You were like, I have the best damn idea ever. I think I said, I have the best damn idea ever. You are not going to like it, but trust me, it's brilliant. (laughs) I genuinely think that's what I said. I believe that. You said, I know, we should record a podcast together. And I think you were right. I think I was unimpressed with this idea. You know what's particularly significant about that phone call? What? As I was talking to you, I was actually losing my virginity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I found it to be a particularly beautiful place to have this conversation because I don't know if you remember the time that we went to Ikea together. Oh, (laughs) yes. Oh, yes. Ikea, where relationships go to die. (laughs) We had bought a bookshelf. I think it was like a Billy bookshelf. And we had decided that instead of buying the one in the packet, we would buy one that was already put together and cheaper without considering that we wouldn't be able to put it in our car. I was confident that we would. (laughs) I always had that confidence. I was like, it'll fit. Like, no matter what it was and no matter what the size of the vehicle, I was just consistently like, no, that'll fit. I'm sure that'll fit. That'll be fine. It'll fit. Yeah, I did not feel that way. And in my defense, it always did. In your defense, it did fit. But in my defense, our relationship was irreparably ruined in the process of fitting it in the car. If anyone ever asks why we broke up, just say Billy. No, just say Ikea. But then the, the joke doesn't work. Okay, yeah, sure. Also, sure. I have I have an ex called Billy, so... Was he a bookshelf? <laughs> he was bookshelfish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were like, I know, we should make a podcast together. I can't even remember what your selling points were. What were your selling it's- points? The reasons that people listen to the podcast, like I, I am a fairly modest man. And no, I- <laughs> no, that is a lie. Sorry, I'm an extremely modest man. I'm actually the best at modesty. I'm just amazing at it. Like most things, I'm amazing at modesty. 
Okay. And my selling points were, firstly, it's a weird idea that people who used to be engaged and then they broke up doing a podcast together. That's engaging. Like, people will want to listen to that. Secondly, we had and continue to have these very interesting conversations mm. uh, about, like, self-expression and privacy and... I don't know, naked photos. Like, we, we talked about this kind of stuff before we were doing the podcast. And, in fact, on that conversation, we spoke for close to an hour. And at the end, I was like, this is why we got to do it. Because that conversation was super interesting. It was all about the book that you just read about being publicly shamed. John Ronson, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Good book. And I was so interested in it. I was like, oh, I wish I had this conversation on the podcast because it was super interesting. And the reason we had that conversation is because you were terrified at the idea of putting your honest self out there. Yeah. I was like, it's okay to be honest in a way that's completely curated. But conversational honesty is very intimidating. And I, I still find it scary. I have been listening through Hello Internet by CGP Grey and Brady from Numberphile. And they do an episode about the fact that you can't hold a conversation to the same standard as you do an essay or a written piece or anything like that. Because firstly, like we don't have research in front of us. When when I say, oh yeah, I think the capital of Alaska is is whatever, I'm trying to remember. Or like when, when I say, actually, I'm pretty sure that the percentage of people in prison is X, Y, Z. That's off the top of my head. I haven't got the facts in front of me. Secondly, when you're writing an essay or you're presenting a, a video that, that argues something, then you organize your thoughts and that's how you present your thoughts. Whereas in a conversation, it's back and forth and it, it might go off on tangents. And thirdly, like as we've talked about in the past, you will sometimes say something and then immediately afterwards be like, oh man, I don't, I don't stand by that comment. Like <laughs> that thing I literally just said, no. Nope. But sometimes you don't want to break up the flow of the podcast. So you'll be like, oh yeah, no, I think that all people from New Zealand should just move to Australia. And then you might be like, no, I don't. No, I obviously don't think that dumb thing. But by that point, the conversation moved on and you don't be like, hang on, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop the flow, break it up. Let's go back. I disagree with myself and I want to argue against myself, which is the most stupid and tedious thing. So like, yeah, you have, you have a higher risk of embarrassing yourself, but also people are going to be more forgiving. Like they have to be. I hope so. I hope so. Anyway, I agreed to do three episodes with you. Two. Two episodes with you? I agreed to do two episodes with you. And I was really interested in t taking up as little time as possible. <laughs> oh, how I laugh. And so I said that I would do all the editing. I would pay for all the hosting. I would set up the website and all that, which I did. I did all that for a very long time. I did all the editing and I uh, set up the website, et cetera, et cetera. Because you were so keen on the idea. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And you were like, look, I will make it literally as easy as you just have to talk to me once a week. I mean, that, that was the only way to get you to do it. And then you started <laughs> doing it, like genuinely, like you were like, look, I'm not going to do this if it's too much effort. And I was like, okay, I will reduce <laughs> the amount of effort to as close to zero as I can get. All you have to do is talk to me once a week, which we did anyway at that point. Like we would have phone conversations about once a week on average and I would take care of everything else. And so my, my way of, of making it as simple as possible was we would record two episodes at a time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, every two weeks. Every two weeks we'd record two episodes, two half hour episodes, I should point out too. <laughs> oh yeah, we used to do half hour episodes. Oh fuck. Yeah. 
anyway, this is now our 51st episode and it's been an entire year. How's it been? Um, so the actual podcast bit, the bit, the, the podcasting bit, mostly really good. What's the podcasting bit? Talking about stuff or the finished product? Talking about stuff. Good. It's funny. In some ways, I have different stresses about the podcast. Like I care less about what I say, (laughs) which (laughs) is kind of convenient, but I still have some of the same hangups. Like when we first started doing the podcast, when I'd listen back to episodes, I would feel physically ill when I was doing that because I felt so anxious about people thinking I was a terrible person. And I still feel that way, but I feel that way more because I fear my own judgment more than I fear other people's. I fear just listening back and be like, oh, yeah, uh, that sounded so stupid. You and I have a friend who used to do a podcast and he used to do YouTube videos. He's done a lot of stuff and he would literally just never listen back to it. He would do the edit and put it online and then never rewatch and never re-listen, like ever. Why? I think for the same reason as you, he just found it really stressful. Johnny Depp has the same thing. Johnny Depp has apparently never seen one of his own films. No. That is the rumor that I've heard. I don't know that it's definitely true, but I've heard that Johnny Depp just refuses to watch any movie that he's in. That's quite a lot of movies. Yeah, he's a prolific actor and apparently an abusive husband. So he's a busy man. Uh, And you look confused. Do you not know about that? No, I don't know anything about that. I would prefer if we didn't talk about it, actually. (laughs) It's a whole podcast. Um... (laughs) I listen back to my stuff, not a lot, but enough to like try to improve from it. That's the main reason I listen back to it. And so I think that feeling you have in your gut of like, oh no, what was I doing is really healthy because it means that you're going to try not to do that thing again. Yeah, that's nice. It's just, it's just uh, painful to do it every week, you know, over years, potentially. (laughs) We're at over 50 episodes. Yeah. So I've done that 50 times. And it's still really painful to do that. But then I think the other thing is that the podcast has changed a little bit in the last few months. And I feel self-conscious about not being really, really positive right now. But I am I feel sick. I'm about to go get an IUD, which I'm incredibly nervous about or anxious about anyway. I don't like pain. And that is pain. So I've heard from literally everybody. That sucks. <laughs> How's the podcast changed in the last few months? What's interesting is I think that the Patreon has been really interesting and brought in different elements in unexpected ways. So for anyone who might be listening to this as the first episode, uh, SJ has a Patreon, patreon.com slash Honor Eastley. And if you support her on Patreon, you get early episodes of the podcast. You get to... I'll call you on your birthday. I will... You get stuff in the mail. There's all kinds of cool perks and rewards. And you should definitely check it out, regardless of what she's about to say about it. I I think it's a new thing and I haven't yet worked out a way of working with it where I feel completely comfortable, I think. What about it makes you uncomfortable? There's this very tangible pressure that I experience and so I have a lot more guilt and anxiety because of that. About what though? About my output and what I'm making. Right. So not specifically about the podcast. It's specific to the podcast, even just because that's something that I'm making 
and it makes me stressed about that. And particularly because I feel like what's happened is I thought, Patreon, oh my god, that's amazing, I'll be able to do so many things. But then what's happened is that because the Patreon happened and I ended up getting quite a bit of money each month, which I'm super grateful for, like so grateful for, to be able to support doing projects like this, pretty much most of all of it has gone into doing the podcast and I've ended up putting way more work into doing the podcast. So it hasn't actually increased my capacity that much. Does that make sense? Right. But you know why? No, I know why that's happened. happened, It's because (laughs) then we were like getting money for this project that we were doing. And so then it made sense to like pay you if you were doing editing work or like I would do the editing work instead. So I'm not complaining. I just thought... It, it, it's it's happening because all of the time and money that you are now putting into the podcast, I was exclusively putting into the podcast. Yeah, totally. And and also those parts are things that I'm not very good at. Like editing is not really a strong skill of mine. So does that make sense? I'm not, I'm not complaining. I just feel... Oh... I don't know what's happening. Ah. <laughs> that was unexpected for me. Um. <sighs> oh, hello, keyboard. Hello, SJ. <sighs> I am normally kind of okay with you crying the podcast. <laughs> This one really took me by surprise. Uh, <laughs> this came out of absolutely nowhere for me. Uh, um, hello. <laughs> it's It's been a while too, I think. So, uh, I, was... I feel like we were due for me crying on this podcast. <laughs> that that was... We, we've been long overdue. Um, yeah, I actually... I actually didn't expect to cry then either. I think... I think what it is is that I've had this kind of bubbling anxiety that's just like increased and increased and increased over like four or five months, four months or however long it's been. Four or five months, yeah. It's been both really amazing, but then what's difficult about that pressure is also it's not something that I feel like I can actually talk about because I feel so guilty. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It'd be like if you had a kid and we're just not enjoying being a mum. Like, you can't talk about that. It's it's the rules. Totally. And I was, I was, and I still am. Like, I still am genuinely really appreciative. And that's also why I don't talk about it. And it's why I don't, I think maybe don't really acknowledge how much it affects me. I got an email the other day. From I hope this is okay to talk about. I got an email the other day from someone who supports a Patreon, and they just absolutely confirmed um, this very private fear that I haven't publicly expressed. Yeah, which was they were just like, and their their email was totally fine. I I'm like, it was actually really helpful in some ways, <sighs> but they were like, hey, look, I support you. I love like supporting what you're doing um I don't really listen to the podcast and I so I was wondering like what else have you been working on and like what else are you doing and 
this whole time I've been thinking like this will increase my capacity will mean I can do everything and so many things and this is like I finally have this opportunity and I'm unlocking the door to like this world where I am just doing all of the things and then increasingly the past months I've been like oh fuck I'm just like feel like I'm running in place yeah I feel like I'm not actually living up to any of those things and there's all these people watching and I don't actually really know what they're thinking in some ways and I'm sure that there's a big variety of what people are thinking but getting that email made me go yes someone is notice like someone is noticing and they know and um you are gonna lose them and that's fine obviously people can sort of do what they want they're not obligated to support you yeah clearly <laughs> then no one's obligated to but i think i just didn't expect like i really just didn't expect how scary i would find that and also how like it would change my relationship to my work i think what's interesting is that particularly in the last few months i've just felt um i felt really quite introverted and private and alone not alone just like without without much to give if that makes sense and particularly when i see like the kinds of stuff that's been happening this year like trump and the election and stuff like the dakota access pipeline and standing rock which is if you don't know much about it, you can Google it. Do you mean picnic at Hanging Rock? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why that would make you upset. Just like all these really big things going on and then I feel like a dickhead for thinking this way, but like I feel like there's something I should be doing or saying or giving in some ways. And I think that's partially because I support people like Amanda Palmer online and she's been incredibly active and there's other people that I look up to on social media and they're just like using their platform to really stand up for things but I think there's a couple of things like one I feel totally confused like particularly with stuff like what's happened with Trump and we recorded an episode that we ended up deleting because we were just like we have nothing good to say on this like we just don't have anything good to say it was a depressing and fairly dull episode of us being like that sucks here's maybe why it happened maybe here's some other thoughts (laughs) and then looking at people like amanda palmer like amanda palmer and what she's doing what she's putting out there is incredible like it's in some ways an incredible public service even just for its comfort if that makes sense and i feel like that is something that i wish that i could offer but I feel so self-conscious that I just... It sounds like you're aware of the gap. You know when you're getting onto a train, they say, mind the gap? No. So sometimes when you get onto a train, there's a bit of a gap between the platform and where the train starts. Oh my God. Fuck It you. sounds like you fell down that gap. I assume that's why you had them like bring the microphone to the train station where you were and lower it down. Why I'm now on the train tracks <laughs> now. Uh, you know, you know. No, you're talking about the eyeglass. the gap. So in, in that speech, which we've talked about a lot, and you should absolutely look it up. It goes for like two minutes. It's the best. He talks about when you're a new creator, you're aware of the gap between what you're capable of and what you want to be capable of. 
the gap between what you're capable of yeah. and your taste. So, like, you like masterpieces and you're not able to create masterpieces. That's the gap. And you're, it sounds to me like you're aware of that, not on a skill level, but on an impact level. Like, you want to be making a positive impact on the world. And you see other artists and other creators making this positive impact. And you do this podcast, which, again, we get a lot of emails saying that it helps people. So, you are helping people. But you're just, like, aware of the gap between what you want to be doing and what you are doing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an element of it. I think in some ways I expected that, like, the success of the Patreon, which was totally unexpected and I felt really grateful for, I thought that, I suppose, maybe I thought that that was the bridge, if that makes sense. Like, if we're going to use the same analogy. Like, that was the end piece to full artistic... Fulfillment. Uh, and freedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my sweet summer child. <laughs> Which sounds silly, but I was, like, so amazed when it happened that I was like, holy fuck. Oh, my God. So, what you're saying is that you want everyone who supports you on Patreon to just stop. <laughs> no, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Please. the message I'm getting here. If you no. do support Honorisi on, on Patreon, just unsubscribe now. Like, if possible, subtract money so you're, she actually has to pay you every week. No, but I have been thinking, like, I actually want to know more of what people want, if that makes sense. Well, you could do a post asking for that. Yeah, I know. But then I felt too self-conscious to actually do that because... I felt, you know, I don't know. I feel like quite... So I actually at one point want to do a a podcast just dedicated to basically holding an intervention for you because... (laughs) Why? You have been... Over the last like month or two, you've been totally stifled. Like you self-censor all the time. And the people who you admire who make this impact, they say stuff. And you have been recently quite afraid to say things, to say anything for fear of offending someone or for fear of not portraying yourself in the correct way or you've gotten a lot better over the last year as we've been doing this podcast but you said to me the other day that you really want to write a new article for daily life but you just can't do it because you keep getting gripped by fear and because you keep getting paralyzed by fear about saying the wrong thing or being interpreted the wrong way in the donald trump episode about three times i would make a point you'd be like oh i don't want to talk about that and i'd be like well that's the only interesting content of this episode but we end up moving on because this podcast has to be fun for both of us but uh like my my advice is a be okay with the gap b don't expect a magic solution that will give you artistic fulfillment (laughs) because that will never exist Uh, except for having a baby as soon as you have a baby everything's great forever I disagree, (laughs) politely. And thirdly, I mean, this is obviously Peter advice, but stop being afraid of offending people. People like you. People want to hear your voice. Use your voice. Don't censor your own voice. So I think that that's an adjacent issue, actually, to this thing. All three of those? Yeah, I think that that stuff is, like, the gap, maybe, but my big fears around this stuff isn't about offending people it's about actually just like not not living up to what I thought I should be and what I I imagine other people's expectations are and then that just like completely ruining any flow does that make sense yeah um you're speaking to someone who thought he would be a multi-millionaire by the age of 24 so (laughs) you are ridiculous
So, like, I 100% understand this whole fear of not living up to your own expectations. Have you read... Uh, I just read it. It's, it's blown my freaking mind. So good that they can't ignore you? No. Oh, really? I thought you'd recommended it to me. Who's it by? Sorry, it's got a different name. It's called 1984 by George Orwell. <laughs> I have it's read really that one. It's really good, though. I got yeah, a lot so, out of it in terms of my creative career, yeah. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. And it's really good. Have you not read it? No, I don't. This blows my mind. Like, I thought for sure you'd read it. Um, so, okay, first of all, read this book. Uh, skip over the whole first quarter. There's basically four main points that he made that he makes, and I'm only up to the second point. And I've like, I got to that quite often. I'm reading a book that gives me a bunch of ideas. I'll get to a point and then just need to stop and absorb those ideas for a month or so. It happened with 40 hour work week. I don't know if you remember, like I read a third or two thirds of that and then put it aside for a year. And when I picked it up again, I started from the start and I was like, oh, in the last year, I've implemented all of this. Oh, wow. Cool. So good. They can't ignore you. The second quadrant of the book is incredible. The whole first quarter is about don't follow your dream. Like there's no such thing as a dream job. Stop trying to look for a dream job. 0.1% of people who try become a, a good guitarist or a good musician or whatever. Instead, just get a job. And then the second quarter is the bit that really, like the first quarter I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. Like I am one of those people who is just going to follow my dream forever, no matter what. The second quadrant is the bit that really blew my mind. It's about stop looking at what your career can do for you. And just focus on being incredible at your career. And he says that this applies even if you're in a job that you hate. So he, he talks about like, ima imagine you have a job where you do the same thing for eight hours a day. Instead of being like, oh man, I don't want to be doing this. I want to go and be a musician or whatever. Spend those eight hours a day trying to be as good as possible at that thing. And if, if you want to be a creative, spend your time not self-promoting, not uh, networking and all that kind of stuff. Spend your time getting so damn good at whatever it is that you do. He talks about Steve Martin, who came up with this idea for stand-up and then just worked on that for eight years. And it wasn't very good for four years. And then he started to get the hang of it. And by the end of the eighth year, he was Steve Martin. Yeah. And so I, I work a lot in board games and I think a lot about screenwriting and podcasting and stuff like that. And you can find a lot of pieces on like how to get more audience for your podcast. The single best way to get an audience for anything is to have your thing be the best thing. So like if you want a career in, I'm just going to pick a random profession. If you want a career in painting, you can spend your time smoozing and you can spend your time like reading trends and all that. Or you can spend 10 hours a day working on your paintings until by the end of like five years, they are so incredible that it doesn't really matter who you are. People will look at that and be like, oh, I want more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot of, about it in terms of screenwriting and board game, which are the two fields that I'm kind of pursuing at the moment. My Kickstarters for board games succeeded because they were so pretty that people loved them. I see a lot of board gamers being like, how many cons do I need to go to to get my game picked up? And the fact is, if your game is great, and I mean like actually great, you don't need to go to a con to get it picked up. I am writing a screenplay with my brother and we're like, how can we work at getting this to, to network executives? If you can write a screenplay that is the best damn screenplay, anyone in the world can sell that. You know what I mean? So I am like, taking everything you're saying with like a huge grain of salt because I'm like, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's the same as like Seth Godin's The Dip is like quit most things and commit to being really damn good at 
something. And if you are the best at it, then you can't be ignored. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Okay, sure. But for many people, you don't know what your thing is for a really long time. Sometimes it's straightforward. Right. So the point of this book is whatever you're doing now, be the fucking best at that. Sure. And that is the way to personal satisfaction and happiness. The the book is genuinely about like, stop trying to find whatever your dream thing is. Look at where you are now and make the best of that situation by whatever it is, like literally whatever it is, be amazing at it. And you will be a happier and more productive and more fulfilled person if you're amazing at something than if you're constantly trying to find something. Yeah, but I, okay. I just don't think that this advice is really relevant to what I'm talking about. I know that that's probably not the response that you want, but I'm just like, I don't feel like my problem is I haven't found something and I'm not trying to do it well. Because, like... No, you, your, your problem right now is with perception. You're like, what if people don't think I'm doing enough stuff? What if this? What if that? Like, stop caring about that stuff as much. And just whatever the thing you're working on is, focus on that. Focus on the making that great. So, like, you've got the, the tears project coming up. Yeah. All, all, all the time you're spending stressing about other things, just, like, put that towards making that project cooler and cooler. And then, no matter, like... Let's say half your fans abandon you in the time that it takes you to put that together. When that comes out, you will get 10 times as many fans because it'll be a way cooler and more good thing than if you'd spent that time freaking out about this. Yeah. Like, I understand, I understand your advice, but it feels like, <laughs> like, I don't know how you uh, block out your time, but I don't go like, oh, I'm going to spend three hours stressing about this thing. Like, I don't do that i do what i need to but i have this big undercurrent terror basically which i didn't expect and which i feel like an asshole for having right so i'm I'm suggesting trying to shift your perspective so that that terror no longer terrorizes you and don't say oh well i can't just do that because you can (laughs) you can shift your perspective you can make things more and less important in your life i'm not saying i have a magic bullet that's going to solve everything i'm saying hey here is an attitude that i think would be really helpful (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is like a really great example of the Peter style and the SJ style like slightly rubbing up against each other of like we're almost talking about exactly the same thing (laughs) but but it's like not quite getting there if that makes sense like for me shifting my perspective usually requires inquiry gentleness reflection and so like I don't know just something about this conversation would be like, well, you need to do blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not the same as that. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to do. I'm saying I think you'd get a lot out of this book and okay. here's why. Sure. Yeah. So we'll be back again next week with a <laughs> look back at the year of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. I feel so self-conscious about talking about this. I understand. It's, it's hard. It's tricky. For the last two months or so, I've been trying to work out whether I want to continue running Jellybean Games. Ever since that episode that we did about walking towards your mountain and finding your mountain, I have been trying to consider that. And I'm in a similar position that there's a lot of people who are really looking at me and being like, so when's the next Jellybean Game thing's coming out? And I've been like, I don't know if it will. Uh, It probably will. I'll let you know at this stage. Uh, I've I've worked it all out and I think it probably will happen, which is why I'm more comfortable talking about it. But... uh, this is not even in a Kickstarter update. Like, this is on the podcast that very few of my Kickstarter backers listen to. I cannot imagine writing a Kickstarter update being like, yeah, I might not do this anymore. 
to the people who have supported me doing that. So I, I totally understand how hard it is to talk about. Well, I'm not saying I don't think I will do this anymore, but and I haven't really talked to you about it that much, but I've been like freaking out over here because I'm like, how do I like, I don't know how to do this. It's cry time. <laughs> what don't you know how to do? Um, there's like really pragmatic stuff. Like I want to increase my capacity. And so, like I said, after that email that I talked about before, I was like, okay, something needs to change. And then I went into my spreadsheet and I did a lot of spreadsheeting. And then I was like, fuck it. I would rather at this stage use all of the money for Patreon, not for me to cover my rent or anything like that, but just so that I can increase my capacity so I can actually do more things. So like continue to work and also do more creative stuff. Yeah. So that instead of spending time editing the podcast, I'll pay someone else to do that so that then I can spend that time working on a new project so that then I'm doing more things, which is totally stressful. And I've been like, how the fuck do I do this stuff? Sounds a little bit like a Ponzi scheme, if you ask me. What do you mean? Using this creative project to get another creative project going. And then using that creative project to get another one going until it all collapses like a house of cards. I'm kidding. It's totally fine. (laughs) I thought that that was like a good way to strategize. Because I think initially I was like, okay, great, cool, Patreon. Oh my God, let's do this so well so that then I can quit my job and then only do creative stuff. But then I was like... Actually, there's aspects of this that I find really painful and the stress of doing some of those tasks every week overpowers and overcomes me and is terrifying. So then I was like, okay, well, how do I rethink about this opportunity in a different way that is more productive or that gets further towards where I'd like to go, if that makes sense? Yeah, when I had Scuttle finish at $87,000, uh, after paying the artists and paying for the shipping and paying for the actual game to be printed, I had tens of thousands of dollars left over, which I could have just taken and been like, and now I have tens of thousands of dollars. Instead, I used that money and I put it all into the art for Dracula's Feast, which is very expensive. And now Dracula's Feast has made $90,000. And once that's printed and the artist is paid, well, the artist is already mostly paid because that's already happened. I will have tens of thousands of dollars which, again, I could just take and be like, now I have thousands of dollars. Or I could put that... Basically, you're saying, I'm taking the money I'm getting, and instead of just paying myself to do miserable things, I'm investing in other projects. Or, like, buying a new computer. <laughs> like, doing stuff that yeah. I need to do. So I rejigged it so not just all the Patreon money, but also a bunch of my own money is going in to be able to do stuff like this. Does that make sense? I care more about having more time than having more money. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think perhaps the reason I've been a little bit dismissive of your uh, feelings <laughs> is because for the first seven or eight months before you launched your Patreon, that oh, was no, my totally. money and my time. Oh, absolutely. This is partially why I haven't talked to you about this, because I understand all these factors and... I feel... And so, yeah, I, I, I worked on this podcast for a full day or two a week and paid for everything for seven months. And then I was like, look, if you can make this much on your Patreon, then I'm going to pass that responsibility over to you. Totally. And then you immediately made that much money on your Patreon, which surprised both of us. And then I was like, what did I agree to? <laughs> <laughs> 
And totally, that's why I haven't talked to you about it because it makes me feel really weak and feeble, actually, because I know that you've done all of that for so much longer already. And I'm just like in this position where I have all this opportunity and I feel... What's that? You stopped talking for some reason and now you're touching your face. What's happening? Is it raining inside where you are? I'm making jokes because you're crying. It's raining on my face, but only my (laughs) face. Um, yeah, I just feel like I have all this opportunity and I'm just like crumbling. I think I talked to you about this once before. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but I had this, this freak out that you're having right now. I had this freak out two months ago about Jelly Bean Games. And I think I talked to you a little bit about it at the time. I know I spent an hour or two on Skype with you at the time. We didn't record. It was just like to talk to you about stuff. And I was, do you remember? I was, I was probably yeah. freaking out. Yeah, I do remember. And the thing that I remember saying is that I was not prepared for success. <laughs> I am really good at failing. Like <laughs> I've done it for years and years and years. And I think you have too. And failing <laughs> is great because you learn and the stakes are low. But totally. once you succeed at something, suddenly there's this pressure there's also- to keep on doing the good thing and obligation. And you have other people's... You have responsibility suddenly. There's also, like, something to lose. And I think particularly yeah. with Patreon, like, if that it's were to happen... It's very something to lose. Yeah, it's very tangible and it's also very public. The, the, the thing that I, I came to terms with, and it took me about a month to come to terms with it, and that made the decision-making process a lot easier, is that no one gives a fuck. Well, I think that's what I'm trying to come around to... And just be like, actually, no one cares about this thing nearly as much as me. And I will definitely lose people. That will absolutely happen. But that's okay. Like, I see Amanda Palmer talking about it in her Patreon. And she's like, yeah, I lose people. Or this person's like, this isn't worth it for me. Or I don't like what you're doing. Or can you please stop talking about politics so much? And she's like, cool, that's great. That's totally fine. You're just not my people. And that's great. And I think that that sounds like a really great place to be at. But also, I don't know how to get there. (laughs) I think that's where the way I've lived my life for the last 10 years has been really helpful in that regard. Because unlike you, I piss a lot of people off all the time. And you get used to it. There's people who don't like me. There's people who think I'm a real dick. There's people who are friends with me briefly and then they're like, oh, I don't like this guy at all and and they fuck off out of my life forever. And at first it stings and as it goes on, it just stings less and less and less until now I'm like, oh man, that person didn't like me? Who cares? Like, (laughs) there's lots of people who do like me and the people who do like me like me for being me. Yeah. The thing that I can think of that most closely compares to you and your Patreon and me and Jellybean is, and this is pretty thematically appropriate, are you ready? Yes. Our engagement. Uh, more information? We really publicly got engaged. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And that was on (sighs) me. Uh, Bad move. Sorry. I remember, I don't think we were talking at this stage, but I think, so this would have been, I think it was just before I went into hospital. It was like my mum's 60th. And I was having a really terrible time and I was going to this big uh, extended family event 
and it was the first time I was going to a big family event and you weren't there and everybody you didn't invite me fuck you you weren't talking <laughs> to me and everybody knew that I had gotten engaged and then it had whatever and like I don't care about that fact amongst my friends but being in a public space like that where everyone knows but no one's gonna like sort of like they're gonna tri- it was just it was t- I who that was bad that was a bad time so what I was gonna say is is basically the opposite which is like after you and I broke up I realized that no one cared <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, my close friends got the story and my extended friends got a very abridged version of the story. And then beyond that, maybe like five people ever have been like, hey, what happened with you and SJ? Like, weren't you guys engaged to be married? And I was like, oh, yeah, it didn't work out. And people were like, oh, yeah, because that happens. Did anyone actually say anything at this family reunion or is it possible that it was mostly in your head? I can't remember. Probably not. That's the thing. Like, people actually don't care as much as... Like you said, no one cares about this as much as you do. The only people who are going to be judgmental about you trying something and it failing are people who whose judgment you shouldn't care about. I know, but I think that this kind of stuff, it's... I'm afraid of other people's judgment. I'm afraid of my own. Well, then you've got to not be such a judgmental <laughs> prick to my friend SJ. <laughs> I'm being like, oh, you failed that thing? You can't do this anymore. Just, like, quit it all. Yeah, okay. So, first of all, no, f- fuck that shit. Fuck that shit so hard. Uh, like, I totally agree. Like, I agree with you intellectually, but emotionally I know that that's how I will feel about it. So, so pretend it's me. Okay. I, I start a Patreon. Uh-huh. I am not able to output at... I mean, first of all, the thing that you're afraid of is not going to happen, which is, like, some kind of mass exodus of, of supporters. <laughs> This this is like three levels deep neurosis. Uh, So first of all, it's not going to happen. Secondly, imagine that I started a Patreon and then I was not able to output at the extent that I wanted and I lost, I'm trying to think of like a realistic maximum, like 30% of my subscribers. What would your opinion of me as as my friend be? Oh, um, I mean, I don't think my opinion of you would change. Right. So why is it changing for yourself? I think I'd be mostly just interested I think because, like, this part of Patreon was just not something I foresaw that much. I haven't really heard anyone talk about it that much. I've heard people talk about, like, oh, I want to do, like, the per thing instead of per month because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But The pressure, et cetera, yeah. But I suppose, like, because you can't really start a Patreon and be successful and then also come out and say, and that's actually making me real anxious because that, it's really unappreciative. So I've seen no, I've seen no one talk about that. <laughs> so I would be really interested in that process, but I wouldn't make it as a judgment against you. I would just be like, oh wow. Would you say, well, Peter, this proves you're not allowed to do creative things anymore? Yeah, I might. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Do you Obviously, understand? I like, say that. Would you? No, not not. Would you no. say? Would you think that? Like in your heart, would you no, be like? No, I wouldn't think that. Right. Okay, here's the twist. <laughs> wow, this is going to be unexpected. <laughs> the Peter in that story was SJ the whole time. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah, I think that I need to learn 
to sit with that stuff. I j- it's just like part of it, and this. No one, um, no one thinks you're running off with the money yeah, and, and well, buying an island. <laughs> definitely can't do that. But I think there's this element of I want to do a good job, and it's one of those ones where, of course, you do. In some ways, it's easy to know if you're doing a good job, and in some ways, it's kind of hard. Like I know Amanda Palmer talks about on her Patreon, only about like ten percent of people who support her actually comment on things or like will answer questions. That's a pretty pretty high high number. number. Yeah, for sure. But then there's 90% that she doesn't hear from. And I, I, I hear a lot from people, but also filling in a lot of blanks. Here's a question. Month to month as your Patreon has gone through, has it gone up in numbers or down in numbers? Uh, so I looked at it the other day cause I was sure that it had gone down, but I think it's actually gone up so right now all the evidence is pointing towards (laughs) you actually doing a good job if an impossible situation were to occur if it was anyone else you'd be fine with it yes okay dad fine do you not find it weird that you got engaged to your dad and now you do a podcast with him it's really strange all i'm trying to do is move you in the natural progression which is a peter wood direction (laughs) Yes, yeah, I know. So we will be back next week doing a discussion about the year that we've been running a, a podcast together. <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than an episode about my secret and unexpected uh, anxiety. It's fine. Like this, this, this has been an interesting episode. It just means the intro to this podcast will be freaking weird <laughs> as we change topic 10 minutes in <laughs> and never go back. But uh, we will be back next week. Talking about the year of running the podcast, uh, SJ is going to sing us a nice little outro. No, I'm not. It's your turn. Oh, yeah, it is too. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do... One thing that I don't think has ever come up in this podcast, because it doesn't come up in my life very much, is that I'm a puppeteer. And, like, I have done multiple kids programs where I did multiple puppets, and I'm good at voices. I was talking about this with Lucy, and he was like, you know, all of your voices have Australian accents. And I'm like, <laughs> that is true. I also can't do accents. But uh, I'm, I'm going to do my favorite puppet, Linus, doing us an outro. Oh, Linus the elephant. Linus the elephant. I haven't seen Linus in ages. Do you have the actual puppet? Do you want me to go get the puppet? Yeah, I would love it if you go get the puppet. I'm going to screenshot you. It won't contribute to the thing at all, but... Uh... <laughs> but, but you'll do it for me, right? I'm just taking my headphones off, so I can't hear if you say anything. Also, I'm not wearing pants. I know, I saw before. <laughs> Can I please have more of Linus in the shot and less of you? <laughs> Hi, Linus. Hello. <laughs> you used to do that voice all the time. I'm puppeteer, man. It's in my blood. Hello. My name's Linus. I am an elephant. Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and tell your friends. Peter, despite being a stinky human, is my favourite son. No, very stinky. We were looking at the stats right before we recorded this, and we discovered that we have a bunch of German listeners. (laughs) Germany is the... The fourth most common country that listens to this podcast. If you are in Germany and you listen to this podcast, please send us an email. Like, I would love to hear from a German listener and just find out, like, how you heard about this. And if, if there would be someone who did an outro in German, that would make me so happy. <laughs> uh, neither of us speak German, so you could put in a bunch of swear words and we would never know.
Yeah, yeah, that would that would work. Where's my outro assessment? Oh, outro assessment. I thought it was solid. I thought it was good. I haven't heard Linus in a while. <laughs> that was nice. I should do it uh, next next time. It's my turn. We're going to alternate until we get other outros, uh, which sounds like we're pleading, but I'm actually kind of enjoying this. Uh, <laughs> next time it's my turn. I'll do the voice of your cigarette smoking cat. Oh my god! Yes, 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 yes! I really want that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if, if you're listening and you've ever wanted to send us an outro, we are out, so please do send one in. That's all from this this week. Come in next week for our one year of doing a podcast review. Woohoo! Bye-bye. Bye.